Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are y'all today? Good. Uh, how am I? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm quite okay. Thanks. Uh, tell you all something interesting that uh, so sometimes people ask Sufu the question, what is your day like? You know, like, what is the routine of a monk like? So, uh, I often would share the routine that we used to have, or I, I used to have in US. Uh, and the day starts at uh, an unearthly hour of 3.30. Yeah. Uh, so at 3.30 we wake up, wash up, and then at 4 we start the day with a short puja, seven times Tapeto, the great compassionate mantra, followed by the uh, refuge, then dedication. Then we will meditate for one and a half hours. Yeah. But I will usually um, highlight to students that uh, after coming back to Singapore, uh, this schedule is a bit tough to uh, maintain. In part because uh, in the in US we don't have any other duties. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't have to conduct classes. We are attending classes ourselves. Uh, we don't even interact much with the public. Yeah. Because, uh, is it okay? Because in US, our busiest day of the month is when one or two person come up from to visit the monastery. <laughs> and this happens like maybe once a month. Yeah. Uh, that is considered a busy day. Maybe on a special month, maybe uh, one visitor may come up today and a few weeks later one more come up yeah. so throughout the whole year we meet less than maybe 20 percent maybe less than t 10 or 15 percent yeah. so um, in a way very isolated uh, but the the benefit of that is that then uh, our time and energy uh, is very conserved yeah so it makes it that much easier for us to stick to that kind of regime. Uh, because we don't have to conduct classes in the evening, by 9.30, um, we, we would be doing our uh, wash-up yeah, and then retiring for the day. Yeah. Later is about maybe 10. Switch off. You can hear double. Yeah. Huh? You can hear double. And hear double, then press mute. La. Mute. Huh? Which button? Why do you switch off? Where's the mute button? Oh, center. No, no, no. Press the power and hold. Press, just tap. Just. Yeah. So is it still. No problem. Okay. So, uh, so
So after coming back to Singapore, uh, occasionally I will wake up at 3 plus 4. Uh, and it's because the mosquito wake me up. <laughs> uh, so otherwise, usually I wake up at 5 plus 6. Yeah. So recently, uh, we had a retreat for three days. And, uh, and uh, for the retreat, we got everybody to wake up at 4.30 and start the day at 5. Yeah. That's still one hour you know, later than uh, what we did in the US. Uh, but I was expecting that the, the volunteers or, or the participants would, uh, would maybe complain. <laughs> yeah. So I put it as optional. But in the end, everybody still turned up at 5. So I was, I was quite, um, I was quite in a way inspired by that, and so I was thinking, yeah, now that uh, I don't have to attend meetings in a day, yeah, uh, why don't I try do that again, yeah? And oftentimes it's a matter of getting into the regime. Yeah, so I started trying to uh, to sleep at about ten, tenish, yeah. And for myself, if I sleep at 10 plus, then about 3 plus 4, I will wake up. Yeah, quite, quite naturally. Uh, so for about close coming to a week, maybe a couple of days. On some days, because of classes, then a bit hard also. Yeah. Um, but how about Buddhichitta? Yeah. Did I give your homework last week? No homework, ah? Last week? There's homework last week, right? Yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah, and you, you even shared last week. <laughs> oh, you help every day. Mm. So, did you manage to do the homework? Yeah. Uh, the... So the, the aim of the homework was to, you know, bring to, bring to life the the text, yeah. Uh, so instead of hang on, uh, so instead of uh, merely going through the text and then uh, learning about the teachings, but to actually try to start with what we can do yeah and again for many of you um, on a day-to-day -day basis you may well be helping others really serving in various ways yeah uh, but is to to do it consciously as well yeah to know that yes you have been doing yeah uh, then to actually record it down yeah did I mention about recording it down yeah so, uh, on your piece of paper, if you have not been recording for the past week, uh, I want you to do a simple reflection for about two minutes. Yeah, think about the week that has passed. Mm. And try to see whether you can recall uh, since last Thursday, then you can count from Friday to today. Yeah. In what ways have you helped somebody? Um, even if it's work. Yeah, even if it's work, yeah, you can write it down. 
and then I mentioned about how to consider uh, your mindset, your mindset before you help, you know, your intent, and then after helping, to consider what was the outcome, how did it benefit the other person, yeah, and then to to see whether anything transpired. Okay, so two minutes. Mm. Uh, do a reflection and then write down on your notes. Okay? So as I've mentioned before, it can be as simple as uh, holding the door for people, pressing the leaf door. You need more time? Give you two more minutes. Two minutes passed by so fast. Huh? Have you finished?
Okay, so uh, any of you would like to share? So for for your information, so this the this class uh, this class is on the commentary Ru Pusa Singlun. Yeah, it is written by uh, Shanti Deva, uh, and he this 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 commentary this text basically covers the six parameter yeah, the bodhisattva practices you know. so uh, we've gone through three this this is the end of the third we have covered the end of the third chapter already this is the fourth chapter oh. and uh, yeah so last week i i shared with uh, the rest with everybody uh, the seven areas yeah, of practices. Mm. So, the areas of practices for Bodhisattva. Yeah. The previous week, I covered the three kinds of practices. Uh, so, this then uh, last week covered the Qi Chu. So, we have covered the uh, number fifth and number six. Yeah. Uh, we spend some time to go into the details of it. Mm. So then, one of the exercises that was given was to um, to put this into practice. Yeah, because there are two kinds of bodhicitta. One is the intent. The other one is bodhicitta in action. Yeah. So um, to actually put it into our day to day. Putting it into our day-to-day is also about putting it into perspective. So instead of uh, instead of having um, having the mindset, oh, I will practice bodhicitta, I will cultivate and help sentient beings only when I have attained uh, Buddhahood, only when I have reached uh, enlightenment. Uh, instead of that mindset. To realize that uh, Bodhisattvas attain Bodhisattva, uh, cultivate the path and attain Buddhahood through the process of helping others. Yeah. So in our day to day, how can we help others? Um, so I asked them to do an exercise. Yeah. Uh, that uh, as as regular as you can, like maybe for a start once a week or twice a week to help somebody and then to actually note it down in, in a notebook yeah, or in your phone. Then uh, to review that. Yeah. Uh, so over time, you can see, okay, what are the, what are the good deeds you have done? So last week I also mentioned about how uh, I think I mentioned in the class about how we we may sometimes have a have a imbalanced view about ourselves. Yeah, we may not uh, think so well about ourselves. Um, so the practice of uh, loving kindness and compassion, to wish for others to be well and happy. Uh, we we ourselves must be well and happy first. Uh, if you are miserable, if you if you think that that you are uh, 
like not good enough, then as much as we can still wish for others to be well, um, uh, there, there may always be this question mark yeah, yeah, uh, about yourself mm. or even about the practice itself. How to help others if you are still in trouble? Yeah. So the practice of loving kindness and uh, compassion, uh, oftentimes there's this practice to start with yourself, to wish for yourself to be well and happy. So this practice um, that I sh I shared last week is to, uh, in a way, give us some good groundings. Yeah. Uh, not to simply uh, think in our mind, oh, I'm a kind person, but to actively devote yourself to kindness, to um, be of service to others, yeah? uh, to bring welfare and benefit to others. Mm. Then when you do the practice, may I be well and happy. Ah, you'll feel that, yeah, okay, I'm deserving of that. Yeah, I'm deserving of that. So, um, so this exercise itself has further implications. Yeah, how many of you uh, tried the exercise? Oh, okay, a good number of you tried the exercise. So, but I mean, whenever I ask you all to raise your hand, uh, I'm not trying to embarrass you all if you all didn't do. Yeah. I mean, this is not primary school, you know. <laughs> like, hmm, never do your homework. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that. Okay, so, don't, so get that out of your mind. Okay? Uh, it, is, it is so that I have a gauge of whether the next part should be discussed immediately. If majority of you, for some reason, didn't manage to do it, then I may not be so ready to, to share with you the next part of the exercise. Yeah, I'm, I need to make sure everybody is more or less on the same page before I can do the exercise. Um, which is... Huh? Oh, you, oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Take care. You don't have a Oh, okay, okay. How do you see? Take care.这个是一般的伤风吗？还是？OK。OK。那就好。嗯。呀，他们两姐妹，这个学习佛法的那个非常的值得赞叹。生病还带病上课。他连我星期五，yeah, even my Friday class in SPF, she also, also go and attend. Yeah. That's why some in some, in some classes, some students say, "Oh, 师父，哎呀，哎呀，I cannot attend your class. Ah,哎呀，this day cannot. Ah,呀，I have something on." Ah? Is it? Friday class, ah? 
他还是蛮有说服力了。Yeah, there are two ways to this, lah. Yeah, there are two angles to it. I mean, all of us have attended dharma class, have gone to school before. On one hand. The Buddha teaches us, "Yao ifa buiren." That ultimately you must rely on the teachings, the principles, the Dharma, not on the person. But it begets us to ask the question: Why did the Buddha say this? It's because of the tendency for us to rely on the person and not on the teachings. Our natural tendency is this. But I've also observed in the past 10 years that it's not a question of whether a Dharma teacher is good or not. But it's a matter of sometimes the Dharma connection. It's just like in school, three teachers are teaching mathematics. But some teachers, the way they explain Somehow, some students can understand better. Then some teachers, the way they explain, other students can understand, but these few students cannot understand. So sometimes have this effect. Yeah, but I I'm I'm quite impressed by the way she reasoned out. Yeah, because there was another student who also tried to register. Then the best thing is, the moment the person say cannot. Then the person already went to SBF, you know. Ah, yeah. Then went there. Then the moment the person say cannot, then the person just go back home. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. So the question here is, since a majority of you all have tried the exercise. Not not so much that I want you all individually to share, but if you have anything to anything you encountered, you can highlight. But more importantly, was it easy to help people? How many of you find that when you try to help people, it was easy to help? Okay, that's good. How many of you encountered difficulties to help? Difficulties? A little bit of inconvenience. A little bit of inconvenience. How about how about the so it is the the process of helping that was inconvenient? Yes, it means that I will reach home a bit later. I will have to make a detour. Yeah, but after that was fine. Was it to send Sufu back? No. No. This kind of buying, we were a few of us were 
put together, and then this friend who usually cycles ah. has a flat tire. Oh, okay. So another friend offered to bring him home, lah. Oh, but is he okay? Like flat tire? Sometimes flat tire then no, fly no, out. No, he's okay, all, uh. he's all right. He wasn't cycling when he went the flat tire occurred. Ah, okay. But this friend doesn't is is not along his way, is he? Oh, the one who offered to send him home, so I offered to bring him home since it's some. What more along? Yeah, the way? it's more along the way. Okay. So that's what I did last week. Uh huh. That's good. And uh, how do you feel after that? I felt quite nice about the whole situation. Uh-huh. Quite good about myself. Okay. okay. How about the rest? How do you feel uh, after helping others? Oh. Two days ago, my neighbor, American guy who has got fourth stage cancer, oh. he went back to America to to get some new chemo therapy, uh-huh. uh, and he came back. Uh, so I wanted to make him feel welcome home. Uh-huh. So I gave him four mangoes, sweet mangoes, oh. wrap it nicely and. I cook some uh, dates and goji berry drink for myself. Uh-huh. But then the, uh, the spur of moment thought of him and then gave him a jar as well. Okay. And then I brought it to his, uh, to his house okay. and offered that to him. Okay. Uh, hope that he, he feels uh, the day is uh, brighter, uh-huh. that there's somebody who thought of uh, extending his welcome to him. So that's one thing. The other thing is uh, my sister decided to go to Bangkok for holiday with her friends and I've got some banking privilege, that kind of airport transfer. Uh, The bank sometimes give you like uh, free dinner, free Uh. airport transfer because you bank with them. So I sacrifice my own transfer for her. Okay, let her use your airport transfer. That's right. Okay. So, uh, just to cheer her up. Okay. That the brother is thinking of her, her trip. So that's the two things. That's good. Anybody else? Yes. Come, get the I mic. I so I hardly step out of the house. Uh-huh. But, uh, okay, I'm retiree. I hardly step out of the house. Uh-huh. Uh, time I go market, sometimes I meet like the Bangladeshi worker cleaners, chat to them. They're very cheerful. So I chat to them. And then uh, sometimes like I do meditation. I do the metta, uh-huh. metta meditation, transfer all the merit to all sentient beings. Okay. May they be well, happy and peaceful. And when I do my chanting, <laughs> I also transfer the merits to all sentient beings. And like one of my educate, uh, uneducated friends, uh, I opened my house to her and asked her to come. I can on the computer because she's not educated. So I on the Hokkien Dharma talk for her. Oh, nice. So, uh, uh, <laughs> so I choose the simpler one, uh-huh. like Nian uh, Fo, the Kaning. 
nice or simpler one because she's not educated at all so she only thinks I choose select the ones appropriate for her and she's happy but sometimes she's busy so I call her I say anytime you want to come on the computer you can have you can use the computer I can do my other chanting or anything so you don't have to worry not not no and then other than that I have the part-time mate she come she's a very poor thing the husband hospitalized with what is that wheelchair bound and now in hospital so I just give her some monetary no help her out a bit and then whenever she comes she has four kids schooling no so I feel very sorry so whatever things I have I try to pass to her alas and then like phone calls sometimes calls to my relatives friends or what just no console them whatever things I can do because I hardly step out of the house so that's the only thing I can do okay I think that's all it's wonderful that you you still found opportunities to render service to others yeah I think that's all because my life I practically hardly step out of my house other than go market no and practice read my Dharma books that's mainly simple life good good sadhu 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 how about the rest anybody would like to I mean now you have your list of things to read from don't have to worry how about Quack Quack would like to share yeah, the recipient. Okay, you can share how you receive help from others also. Yeah, sometimes I drop my thing, they pick up, and then sometimes they give me seat in the MRT. Ah. So did you accept the seat? Did you accept the seat when people offer to you? Yeah, I accept. No, I said thank you. Ah, very good. Then when I when I get down, if I see see her see her or still standing there or what, I said yeah, I return the seat. Return the seat to her. So, yes. Anybody? No? So, how about the gentleman behind? Would you like to share? Yeah. I don't really keep track of the good things I do, but I'm very conscious of all the bad things that I do. Every day I reflect on rather I reflect on all the bad things rather than the good things. Because I think doing good is not so not so as important as not doing bad. Okay. So you keep track of the bad things. Yeah. Okay. And I try to correct myself. Okay. That's an interesting point. Yeah. There was one practice that. That I learned from a few person, yeah, uh, and it was to do a daily reflection of uh, at the end of the day about the things that you have done, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, yeah, or whether you have uh, intentionally or unintentionally harmed anybody, yeah, and try to uh, at least make a mental note of it to not do it again. 
and where possible to make amends for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of like how we may uh, wash up before we sleep. Yeah. So wash up our mind before we sleep. Yeah. That's a good practice. In fact, um, yesterday at the, the other class over here as well, I was sharing about this. Uh, to, to, uh, yeah, maybe you all can try this exercise also. Yeah, so now you have two exercises. So the exercise that I shared, did how many? Is there anyone who attended the class yesterday? Billing, uh, some of you, right? So do you all remember the exercise from yesterday? Uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, so the exercise was to actually uh, like put down on on a list. Yeah, uh, if there's anything, any uh, harmful acts that we have done in our our whole life. Yeah, and then to purify it, mm, to clean it up. Yeah. Uh, so the the point of this is is probably quite apparent. Yeah, that if you can do that, then you are making sure that your mind is clear. Yeah. Um, but the larger implication is, if you, because sometimes, sometimes we may have very subtle um, frustration with people, very subtle unhappiness with people. That doesn't really amount to much. Yeah, it doesn't amount to anything much. So we may just let it pass and ignore it without making a clear conscious effort not for it to happen again or not to respond in the same way again. So then, uh, if you were to do this exercise, is to really do a stock check, do an inventory of, of the kind of uh, unhappiness we have with others, no matter how minor it is. And then to, in a way, purify it. Uh, and if, you, if let's say we do it, then at the end of the day, after we have done it, yeah, just think about it, wow, you look at your own life and, okay, we are not perfect yet, we are not enlightened, so we did do things that were harmful, some foolish things, but we have cleansed every single one of it. We, the, the, your question is, uh, the past is the past. Mm. Uh, you said, I, we, I practice non-self or we practice non-self? Uh, practice non-self. Uh, no. So the practice or the, the teaching on non-self doesn't mean that, oh, past, I, I, hum, I scolded someone or I have harmful thoughts towards someone in the past. Non-self, huh? That is not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I think. Uh, that, that's not the correct application of non-self. Uh. Mm. Non-self doesn't mean that we, we shirk responsibility of what we have done in the past. Non-self is not that. Oh. Yeah. When we say uh, non-self, we are saying there's no fixed entity that exists throughout. Yeah. But there is this continuum of, of ever-changing uh, body and mind yeah, that 
is linked in some ways, but not the same entity. There are other uh, implications to this, yeah, but that's above and beyond what we are discussing here for now. Uh, but the key implication here is that uh, we don't simply say that because it's in the past, it's impermanent and non-self, so uh, we don't have to worry about it. Uh. Yeah. Uh, no, no, cannot, cannot. Uh. <laughs> Uh, that would be, if we do that, then that would be the wrong understanding of non-self. Yeah. Uh, that would be similar to the wrong understanding of emptiness called Er Kong. Yes. Yes, good question. Yes. Oh, can I ask it? Sufu, can I ask? Sorry, I'll what do you mean by one mic? Purify or cleanse. Uh, you can hear the from the thing, right? Okay. Don't don't switch it off. Just leave it. The, the battery should last for the whole session. Yeah. Oh, but you're muting it, huh? Mm. Ah, okay. Mute. Okay. So in the uh, when we say purify it. Um, at the very least, it is to uh, recognize and to acknowledge that uh, there was harm done. Yeah? And that the, those actions is not something that we, we, we still agree to. When we did it, maybe we did it gleefully, yeah? very happy to do it. Or maybe we did it unwillingly. Yeah? But now, regardless of how it was in the past, we recognize that those actions are uh, non-fruitful, unwholesome. Yeah? It's not something that we want to repeat. Mm. Yeah, so then to make a firm determination that uh, even in the future, when there are such conditions, no matter how provoking or tempting, yeah, uh, we shall abstain from doing that. Yeah. So, uh, to this degree, we purify those past karma. Mm. But we must understand that uh, when we say purify, it doesn't mean that the that karmic seed then just disappear. Mm. <laughs> uh, so. For more information, attend the Wednesday Tatsun Bai Fa Ming Yeah, But the gist of it, okay, the gist of it is when we say purify, it is um, on one hand uh, the, to plant new seeds associated to those conditions such that we say, okay, now I'm going to plant new seeds that make a different decision. Instead of making those same decisions to act in those ways, now I plant new seeds. Yeah, so it requires us to really reflect on the actions that we have done, about how wrong it is, in what ways is it wrong. And perhaps to also consider, why did we want to do it? Mm. As much as, you know, uh, when we sit down rationally and think about it, yeah, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. But when the fact that we did certain things, at that point in time, it was, it must have seemed like the best thing to do, <laughs> yeah, or the right thing to do, yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, in Buddhist teaching, when we do confession, is to also face with our own, uh, in a way, imperfection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who do not know? Sorry, uh, who do not know that greed, hatred, and delusion is not good? We all know. But say that to a person who is in the heat of the moment angry. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, the more you tell the person, don't be angry. <laughs> sometimes it works. Yeah? You just tell the person, don't be angry. La. Then the person okay. But sometimes, the more you tell the person not to be angry, or you advise, or you try to counsel, in the heat of the moment, what is the most common response? The first response that I observe is the person will try to justify their anger. The person will explain to you in all kinds of ways why the person need to be angry, deserve to be angry, have to be angry. Yeah. So these are the these are the reasonings that at that point in time seem like the best thing. Yeah. So um, if we do a role reversal, then when we do so-called purification or repentance. It is to reflect on this as well, that these are actually not so valid reasons. Yeah, not simply to tell ourselves, "Oh, these are not valid reasons," but to really reflect. Yeah, to examine, to analyze, to reflect, and contemplate, and to see that yeah, these are not valid reasons to do those deeds. Uh huh. So then we need to reflect on what uh, what resulted in that ignorant view. Yeah. Maybe it is a wrong mindset, or maybe it's some wrong information that we we had or we were given. Yeah. So how can we look at it? Do we have new information to to dispel those wrong views? Oh. Yes. Uh -huh. so listening to you uh -huh. is that uh, your your proposition here is think about the harm that you have done to others. My other point is think about the harm that I have done to myself. Like sometimes we beat ourselves to mm. we are angry with ourselves or we are very regretful mm. of certain stupidity, stupid uh -huh. act we did. Okay. And then we never forgive ourselves uh -huh. and uh, that is also not a very uh, healthy way. Yes. So, how do we purify those situations? Is it in the same way that you described? You can use the same approach. Right. Uh, what's perhaps even more uh, intriguing is if you were to purify it properly, then it is also about um, uh, accepting that, okay, yeah. I, we, we did something that is not so worthy, not so proud to 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 think about, yeah. But to still face it and say, okay, I did I did bad, um, and then to uh, recognize that that is the case, and to really examine and know that, okay, this is flawed in all these ways, then to make a determination, yeah, not to do it again. Uh, the Buddha shared the different ways of purity. Uh, one way is never to do wrong. 
yeah? uh, that uh, once you have learned about the teachings or the truth, then you never do wrong again. Yeah? Uh, that's one kind of priority. Another kind of priority is after knowing what is right and wrong, we still go and do wrong things. Then we do repentance. Yeah? Then after that, don't do wrong again. Then the, the second type is also considered purity. Yeah? Uh, there may be those who will question like, How, what if I you know, do repentance, then after that I repeat again, then I do repentance, then I repeat again. Uh, I would still say, better to do that than totally ignore it and say, ah, I don't care, anyway I cannot do it yet, I just can do whatever I want to do. The, the, you, you, raise, you do raise a, a very um, a poignant point, uh, which is that many times we, the, we beat ourselves over it and that becomes another problem. Yeah. So the, there's a verse, 忏悔则清净的安乐 So through repentance, uh, here repentance is not simply it's not about asking Buddha to wave off uh, to do a waiver yeah? uh, but rather to, to as I shared earlier to purify it in those ways then if you do that if you purify in that way then you should consider yourself to be purified and not continue to be remorseful and then uh, become immobilized then yeah. If you, when you know that you are purified, then you 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 become happy with yourself. Yeah. Uh, so this is a different kind of happiness, uh, both from doing good and from purifying yourself, knowing that okay, even though I made mistakes, but I have corrected myself. Uh, that is a different kind of joy compared to pursuit of worldly things. I think what you have raised is not uncommon. Yeah, sometimes we may uh, regret the actions that we have done in the past. Uh, so, a little bit of regret is not a bad thing. Yeah, because if you don't regret over it, then you may still do it again. Uh, but to to recognize that whatever has been done has been done, yeah, and not to beat yourself repeatedly over it. I say sometimes when a person gets angry with another person and you try to calm that person down uh -huh. and the person tell you what? So what do I do? <laughs> so now I a bit hesitant. I will let the person cool off first. Uh -huh. Then uh, maybe another time then I tell the person. Yes. Because you, you tell the person the moment of anger, she cannot not receptive to your this thing. So they say msikadiole <laughs> but no. so I, I, I was I really just kept quiet, nothing I can say. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. And one more example is I realized that msikadiole <laughs> but yeah. So 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 what, what can I say? So I just yeah, kept quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong time to to 
I mean, it get complaining to me about so and so, so what bad, bad. Then I say, I try to be calm, lah. I say, then he say, "Msi kadele," he get angry. He say, "Get angry with me instead." Say, "Msi kadele," but don't say. So I don't know what to say. So I just kept quiet, lah. Let the person cool off by herself. Then one more time, one more thing is what now? When my son was younger, adolescent, and that, uh, no. About seventeen, eighteen, and at that time I was younger. I was very hot temper also. So we always have a heated argument, no. So we always ended up with slamming the doors. But subsequently, after I studied Buddhism and do breathing exercises all that, my son after ten years or so told me the compliment to me is what say, "Mom, mommy, you have changed a lot. Now I cannot. I get angry also. I I pisy." So he dare not get angry. I say about what? I say if he get angry, you know, over a situation, he dare not raise his voice anymore because he saw that I was so calm nowadays that he dare not raise his voice. And now we are very good terms, even up to today. He's forty, early forties. Even as a regional director, always what's add to me in in KL or in Jakarta, what's add to me all his problems. We seems to be very good buddies. So then last time he told me, no, he said he come back from work. He told me, "Mummy, please don't come into my room for the next two hours. I need to come down from work stress." So I dare not enter and bug him. Oh, have you taken your bath, etc.? Have you eaten, etc.? Then I dare not go near his door. So after two hours, he cool off. He come out. But that was another few years later. He told me, "You have changed a lot." He say he he really tell me say that. You have changed a lot, no? I cannot get angry anymore. In an argument, ah, he's very calm. He won't dare to raise his voice anymore. Younger days, when he was seventeen, now he's forty. When seventeen years old, that time he used to have heated arguments. Ended up with always slamming doors. So, oh, I really can't can't handle him, no. Fortunately, he did not go wayward. I say, for push up about you. So. That that's what I want to share lah. What Buddhism did to me and did to him also. Sadu, sadu, sadu. It is. Yeah, the the Buddhas in the Buddha in many suttas highlighted. Hatred cannot appease hatred. Anger cannot appease anger. Yeah. This this is so interesting, huh? Because we may have read the teachings about how if you face someone who is agitated calmly, the person would be affected by you, yeah, and in turn become calm, yeah. But it's one thing to read about it, ah, another thing to hear it in action, yeah. Very good. So, mm. so keep up the the learning and practice. Yeah, keep up the learning and practice. Ah. Oh. How many sons do you have? Two sons. Yeah, one is thirty plus. One is early forties. One is thirty seven. But the younger one married. One day he told me they saw a little bird fell down. No, and. So the, my daughter-in-law and my son take the little bird, 
all red ants over it. Oh. I, in fact, I won't dare to do it. Oh. I was so I was so touched that they take the bird and pluck out all the ants that would leave it out. So I, I was so happy that they really have a compassionate heart, mm. despite the fact they have not studied Buddhism yet. Uh-huh. So <laughs> maybe, so <laughs> that's why I, I was very touched by some of the incidences, even my son also. The elder one was in NS, a little kitten was chased by the dog, took the kitten, put in his back, brought it home. Oh. <laughs> so uh-huh. I was so shocked. <laughs> I don't know what to do, have to house the, the kitten uh-huh. in our place. <laughs> so sometimes I see yeah, that they are, uh, they, they are not they are not Buddhist because they are so busy, no time working life so uh. busy. But at least I show that they are showing signs of great compassion. All that, uh. you know. So I am very happy that at least they are on the right path. Yeah, that's good. right. Mm. That's good. Hopefully one day. But my elder son studied Buddhism in sec three, right? Sec four. Uh, At that okay. time, he was one of the subjects. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Thank good. you. Thank you. Very good. Happy for you. (laughs) So, uh, yes. I just want to comment that being compassion is not exclusive to Buddhists. Oh, yes, yes. Very good point. Yeah. Uh, Compassion itself is not something that is exclusive. Uh, In fact, in a way, um, yeah. In fact, uh, uh, we can say that the Buddha's teaching, any of the teaching, is actually not exclusive to Buddhists. Yeah. Uh, because it is supposed to be the truth. So as long as you cultivate in a certain way, you would develop those qualities. Yeah. And I'm glad that it is not exclusive. <laughs> Otherwise, can you imagine the world? Yeah. Uh, but perhaps even more important is to realize that these beautiful qualities are not exclusive to us. Yeah. Because I do encounter some Buddhists who have a kind of uh, almost self-righteous kind of mindset, uh, holier than thou, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is not, not necessarily good. Huh? Mm. So it's good to... Wait, wait. Chotomate. Yes, you have... Uh, hang on, Doreen. Um, I just want to share my reflection on um, performing wholesome deed or unwholesome deed. I just felt that everything needs condition. Mm. I mean, all sorts of condition. Whether you, you, we offer help, we also need somebody that willing to need help, right? Yes. In order yes. to have to perform the, the deed. Yes. So, just felt that, eh? After doing it, I mean, after seeing everything, I just thought that myself is very insignificant. insignificant. Uh It's just like, um, your intention is just a very little, it's just part of the condition. Part of the equation. Yeah. Mm. So, how can I actually move on? Move on from? Um, Because I just felt, it's, it's nothing great or, you know, Nothing great about helping. Uh-huh. Uh, in, I mean, I have a good intention, but it's just that after all, it's only an equation. Right. So, I don't know whether is this is this correct or. Uh-huh. It's, it's okay. So perhaps let me let me be, just elaborate a bit on this. So, um, 
in our life, uh, when we do things or when we do different things, uh, everything requires conditions. Yeah. Um, for many people, uh, the abilities that we have is some is a source of self-esteem and pride. Mm. So, if we were to reflect on our abilities, which in extension would include us rendering help to others, then you would realize, as you have shared, that um, we are just part of the equation. Yeah, we are just part of the equation. If we can, if we can reflect further, you will also we will also realize that uh, not just our intent, but the fact that we have the intent and the ability to fulfill the intent itself uh, is also dependent on other conditions. Yeah. So truly, uh, we are just part of the larger equation. Uh, besides needing others to be present for us to help, uh, but. Um, when we reflect in this way, it should help us to um, keep our pride at bay and perhaps ultimately to realize no non-self in the act of goodness. Uh, this should not then cause us to think little of the resultant good. Yeah. Mm. And uh, if I hear you correctly, it may seem like, well, then it's nothing much. Uh, because uh, I won't feel happy or... So do you want to feel happy? Mm. Then do more. <laughs> no. We can still feel happy with the result of having helped people. If we don't feel happy, it's perhaps because we we realize that we are not such a big part of the equation. So perhaps then we need to learn to be happy with the result, whether or not we are part of the equation, to rejoice in goodness in and by itself. Most people uh, derive happiness from no the knowledge that I did it. Yeah. But that's still not bad. But what, if we were to understand the teaching on emptiness, and dependent uh, arising existence, then uh, we can still rejoice in the resulting good, the conditional good, yeah, without us being a large part of the equation, or if at all. Yeah. Because sometimes, for example, take Sifu for example, huh? I use myself as the negative example. <laughs> I have a lot of negative examples to show you, to share with you. Like last time, when students come to see me, I'm very eager to give them solution. I'm very eager to tell them what to do. And the, the result is, sometimes they don't do according to what I tell them. Yeah. Or sometimes they may even totally ignore my suggestion or advice altogether. And I'll get quite upset. Or sometimes, some students would choose to go and consult other people. Yeah, whether venerable or lay people, that's immaterial. But I must admit, both in the past as a lay person, and even in the initial stage when I become a monk, 
so this is about the ego. By the later stage, then I I come to a a bit of a realization that um, this approach and attitude, besides um, having the ego problem, also doesn't benefit the person. Doesn't help anyone. Doesn't help myself. Doesn't help the person actually. So at a later stage, I start to draw a lot of inspiration from other seniors and also from the Buddha's teaching about how even the Buddha, he don't insist that he must be the one to teach. The Buddhas and the enlightened ones, their focus is on whether the person can get help, not whether the they are the one helping. Yeah. So once I get past that, then I start to ask a different question. Or in fact, then I start to ask more questions than to give suggestion on what to do. Because sometimes I realize that um, what the person needs may not be what I can offer. Or sometimes I may see that um, uh, I don't necessarily know exactly what the person needs or wants. As I said in the early part when I first came back, wow, before a person can finish a statement, I immediately <laughs> think of 10 different ways to solve the problem. The moment the person stops, come, I tell you, do this, do this, do this. Uh, at a later stage, I would, wait, I would listen to them and just take down notes and sometimes ask some questions to clarify. Then, before I even suggest anything, I would ask them, what did what they want to see at the end of the day, what do they want to get out of the, the coming to see me. Uh, and you'll be surprised, of all those people who come and see me, um, not all of them actually knows what they want, number one. Number two, um, some of them come and see me to to vent. Yeah, and initially, when, in when I first came back, I got quite frustrated and when I realized that people just want to vent. I feel like, why are you not trying to solve your problem? Huh? Just want to vent. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm a bit more like, okay, no, you, if you want to vent, if you, but I must also get them to acknowledge that they just want to vent. Yeah, because otherwise, on one hand, if they say they need help, but then on the other hand, they just want to vent, then you know, that's a disconnect. So uh, that's for me, yeah. Uh, and sometimes I would actually recommend for them to go and look, look for somebody else, yeah, uh, to get the right help they need. Mm. Oh. Uh, yeah. So so it's quite different from uh, having happiness. Um, or, or, rather, or rather, the happiness, the joy of helping people don't change, uh, don't, don't have to rest on um, me being involved. Yeah. But I don't know whether that answers your question. Is that your, is that your concern or your, your question? Uh, in a way, maybe I need to learn how to appreciate 
I mean, being involved, but not really, but have the right mindset that I'm just part of the equation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But we are just part of the equation. Yeah. Whether whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for for myself, it really helped when I start to uh, start to focus on the person I'm trying to help. Yeah, for me, uh, then it's no longer about me. Yeah, but about who can offer the right help for the for this person. Maybe sometimes it's me. Yeah, sometimes it's another person. Sometimes I need to bring someone else in to help that person. Okay, so let's come to the text. Um, so from uh, this is chapter four, Pufang Yi. Yeah, uh, we have covered the first uh, stanza already. Yeah, the first verse. Fu zi zi ru shi, jian shi pu ti xing, heng qing wu xie dai. Yeah. So we went through the seven uh, aspects of the Bodhisattva learning. Yeah. Uh, and it starts off with this focus on how that uh, the, the disciples of the Buddha or the children of the Buddha, here referring to the Bodhisattvas, they would uh, persevere in Bodhicitta. Yeah and uh, not be slack nor to uh, to go against the learning and practices so one of the questions i wanted to get you all to think about or to perhaps see how it work out for you all is uh, as we do the exercise on a weekly basis then you may or maybe if you were to reflect about how you help others in the past you may sometimes encounter uh, difficulties, yeah. One aspect would be as what YY mentioned, yeah, that yeah, oftentimes to help people, you need to inconvenience yourself, yeah. How ready are you to inconvenience yourself? Uh, so how can we have a balance of of this uh, perseverance and uh, still be able to bear with some of the inconveniences? Uh, as I've mentioned before, do what you can for a start. Yeah. Then occasionally stretch yourself a bit, but don't uh, push yourself too hard. Uh. Yeah. Otherwise, you you go, uh, you burn out. <laughs> yeah. Then we have one less bodhisattva. <laughs> so, yu shi bu shen shi shuai er. 未经意，若以事成办，后亦呃后亦失取舍。嗯，so this second verse，啊，遇事不省思，不省思，甚思。Yeah, so when you encounter different situation or if you encounter something. And without much careful thought to it, yeah, uh, this word, this is 
this is a word that is not so commonly found in normal uh, uh, conversation. Swaya means just very quickly. Swaya, momentarily. Uh, this is a term that is frequently found in Buddhist texts. Uh, in particular, in the Yukachara school, uh, we come across this term. Because Yukachara school uh, talk about the mind very, intent very intently. Yeah, so the mind is very fleeting, yeah, like a fleeting moment. Yeah, just fleetingly, then what happened? So, yi. Uh, maybe I should highlight so that you know what word I'm talking about. This is shui er. mm. Yeah, You cannot find shui, then shui er, cannot. Uh. This is one phrase. Yeah. Shui er means a fleeting moment. Yeah. So, So the word yi. Maybe I... Uh, yeah. So this is... Yi is referring to the mind. Yeah. So... You encounter something, then very momentarily, without even crossing your mind. That means never really think through it. Yeah. yeah never really deeply consider, nor think through it. Just momentarily you encounter. Then what happened? Yeah. So, without it considering, uh, like very thoroughly, then you just make a vow, yeah, you make a promise, yeah, I will do it. Uh, if, if such a decision, such a promise is made in this way, without careful deliberation, then what happens? So then, after that, it's easy for you to then uh, start to doubt yourself, yeah, question your decision, and maybe uh, to consider continue or not continue. In other words, you may give up easily after that. Yeah. yeah so this with reference to the previous one about perseverance. Yeah. Uh, this uh, the Bodhisattva path is not something trivial. Yeah. So we should. Uh, plant this seed of perseverance and determination very firmly. Yeah? Yeah. So you can see that in the first three chapters, again and again, uh, yeah, go through all the different angles of looking at samsara, looking at the benefits of bodhicitta, look at the practice, yeah, and to consider all the different ways of doing offering and so on. Yeah? It's to really build up this perseverance. So I have in uh, past lessons mentioned about uh, examples of how, uh, like just now I asked Quack, yeah, Quack said that some, uh, like, for her she shared of herself receiving help, yeah. Uh, so as we receive help, we should uh, accept gracefully, yeah. Uh, but what if we are the one who is rendering help? And then we get rejected. Yeah. What if we help someone and then uh, it, 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 the, the amount of difficulty is 
just too overwhelming. Mm. So uh, it is okay if you find that this is something that you are not up to it. To say, okay, I can't help you. Yeah? But not to, to, to base it on the decision, I give up on doing services. It's, it's one thing to say, I can't help you, you know, this time around, versus I give up on the whole idea of helping people. Okay? Uh. So, so it's just like, uh, if you think you cannot do it, then somebody can do better, so it's like, just gracefully let the other person do. Uh, yes. Yeah. If we cannot help, we can also help in a way by looking for someone else to render the help. Yeah. We don't have to just give up on helping altogether. <laughs> huh? mm. Mm.祝佛祭佛祭佛子，祭佛子，大会所观察，勿意呃伪呀伪，这个是伪吗？伪是在。uh, sorry, uh, usually, huh? Yu, uh, Lu, uh, oh, Lu, Si, Zai. So this Si, Zai, usually you all will pronounce Si, uh, So I sometimes will give your funny pronunciation. Uh, uh, I must give credit to my late ordination teacher. Not the Lu, uh, but the Zai. <laughs> because in his class, he always Si, Zai, Si, Zai. <laughs> Then I become Sizai. <laughs> Last time is I uh, when I first came back it was was uh, <laughs> instead of Ganjia. <laughs> because he's Tongbei Ren. So some words they pronounce differently. Yeah. So Sizai. Yun Ha Sa So uh Zu so, uh, the Buddhas and all the Bodhisattvas, uh, through the great wisdom, yeah, to observe all this, uh, having, uh, having had uh, uh, deep deli deliberation over it, yeah, uh, why, for what reason, Yun He, so Yunhe is uh Yunhe this word is like why yeah or what yeah the, it is a it is quite a flexible term uh, like Yunhe uh yeah if you let's say Yunhe something something it can be uh, what is this yeah or it can be why is this yeah the word Yunhe so this this Yunhe is why or what depending on the context yeah huh? so, so this, is the classical chinese. Uh, this part is the classical chinese part yeah uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so in the in the sutras or in the classical text there are some words you seldom see like one word is water ni the the you almost never see the word mm. Yeah. Then, uh, like, 
nowadays we usually use the word rule like if to to use it as if yeah in the past they use it, usually use rule rule yeah so rule in the past was used like the word rule yeah if so last time we just use rule So why would why would I why would the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas observe thoroughly with wisdom and then consider well after deep contemplation then why would one um, give up on the path yeah give up on one's vows and the practices the precepts and in this case the Bodhisattva vows the Bodhisattva precepts. What is what is this? What does this refer to? The second line. Oh. The the vow of Bodhicitta. Yeah, referring to the this. Yeah, continue from the 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 front part. But is it linked to number two? Uh, number two. Yeah, so number two is linked to number one. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I know if you just look at number two by itself, right? It seems like oh, you promise to do something. Yeah, but what is that something? Uh, so that this something is a bodhicitta thing. It's again a bodhicitta. Yeah. So number two can be seen as a like a generic example of of if you encounter something and you promise to do it without much. Thinking, then it's easy that later on you will, you know, think twice about it, yeah. Uh, but in the context of bodhicitta, yeah, then that's why there's a question. But why would you, you know, uh, for Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, uh, they have, you know, they they, they don't just uh, the two number two and three has that that uh, comparison, yeah. Uh, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas don't make decisions hastily. Uh, they use their wisdom to consider it thoroughly. So then why would there be any such hesitation or any of this uh, doubt to give up? This word, what is this word? Like, time is time. Hmm? Like, Zhao Zi. The one that's highlighted.
also Lui ah. So many Lui ah. Ray. Ray. What? Like, give me a second ah. I must apologize. Uh. I spent the whole, almost the whole afternoon uh, repairing the recording that was. Uh, huh? Still Lui ah. The recording from Sunday. And then this machine, uh, because the last time there was some craziness, uh, so I was trying to see whether there's anything. Well, I ended up spending a whole afternoon. <laughs> okay, wait. Um, okay, like. It's really Kerana Oh, so this, uh, these two words together. Okay, like, this is Tian. Okay, so. Tian. 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 So this, okay, like, Ruo Shi Li Zhong Shen. Yeah, so the question, what I have, uh, which, what is the this? Uh, it's all about Bodhicitta. Yeah. 若是立众生而不勤见侣则为妻有情来生何所思。So this jianlu uh, is a zhuanyong ming It is like the, how they call that, uh, the, the, the path, uh, something like the path. Uh something like um well there's some historical link to it uh, yeah but uh in the context it just means to fulfill it yeah, to fulfill something oh. uh, so Ruo Li Zong Sen so if you have make the vow to uh, to walk the Bodhisattva path to practice Bodhicitta then it is a vow to benefit sentient beings in other words you don't diligently uh, apply yourself to this path yeah. Uh, maybe out oh, of seven days, you just 
spend half a day to benefit sentient beings. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, if you do that, not, not I, I just say one day or seven days figuratively, okay? Don't take my word and then go and tell people, ah, seven days, if you do only one day, then wrong. Two days, okay. <laughs> no, uh. So if you don't diligently um, put in effort to fulfill your your vows, yeah, yeah. So then you are basically um, lying to sentient beings. Yeah, you are cheating sentient beings. Yeah. You make the vow, but then you never fulfill it. Yeah, you are going back on your promise. Yeah, and for someone who have, who do that, license. Yeah. So, what will happen to you in future life? Uh, related to this, have you all heard of something called stolen valor? Something called stolen valor. Let me write it out for you. Stolen valor. I guess in Singapore we should be like that. Huh? <laughs> so, uh, this is something that I saw recently on YouTube. Um, and it's about how in US, if you appear in public in military uh, dress, yeah, uh, there are certain uh, distinction in services that is, that will be rendered to you, yeah. So somehow in US there are some people who who would go and buy army uniform with with the epaulets, the rank and everything, you know, and then just wear and appear in public for whatever reasons. Um, so when someone do that and is discovered to be a fake, uh, then they can be charged for this stolen valor. Yeah. Uh, and the point is the 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 honor and the and the so called benefits rendered to a military person back in the country wearing full uniform uh, is in due for the services rendered. Yeah. And uh, the uniform with the person represents the kind of dignity the kind of courage and valor yeah, uh, that has been displayed by military services, servicemen and women. So when a person put on uniform, yeah, but actually don't never serve in the army, then this person is considered to, to be doing this act of stolen valor. Uh, in a way, there's a parallel that if a person you know, make the vow, are you a bodhisattva? Yes, I'm a bodhisattva. But after that, never do bodhisattva act. <laughs> yeah. Of course, one may think, but I say it every, every morning, I don't know what benefit I get. <laughs> of course, in the case of bodhisattva path, uh, in the earlier chapters, there's a lot of mention already huh? yeah. about the results. But if you were to make such a vow, here we are not so much chasing after people to say, hey, you get benefits, you better work for it. But more about how if you 
give that promise, then sentient beings are, are actually, you know, like waiting for you to help them. But if you don't do do that service, then their all their their their, their wishes, yeah, uh, their prayers are not fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So that's something to consider. Uh, so here, mm. uh, there's a bit of context here as well. Today, is there any of you going out on arms round? No. Uh, any of you serving as a full-time Bodhisattva? No. Uh, you all have your own job, your own vocation, right? Uh, so, in the Buddha's time, uh, even Bodhisattvas, some of them are teaching, as spiritual teachers, so whether lay or monastics, they subsist on the uh, support of whoever they may support them. Yeah. So, uh, by declaring themselves as a bodhisattva, teaching the path, then they must be doing the service. <coughs> yeah. Otherwise, it is literally stolen, stealing from the sangha, uh, stealing from the sangha. Do Bodhisattvas actually to the Bodhisattva? Uh, so, uh, there's usually this concept of that Bodhisattvas are hidden. Yeah. yeah. So, huh? Secret. Secret. <laughs> secret helper. <laughs> yeah, secret Fairy helper. Fairy Godmother. Mm. Fairy Godmother. Yeah. <laughs> Fairy Godmother. <laughs> uh, in the... Well, in the Buddha's time, or uh, we can see that in India, the those who are who are practicing the Mahana path, they openly declare themselves as Bodhisattvas. Yeah. When we the 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 notion that Bodhisattvas are usually hidden, is usually with reference to the high level Bodhisattvas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, part of this is because it's very easy for anyone to say that oh I'm Kuan Sim Zuan Si you know then maybe ten person three person will believe yeah then the three person hey Kuan Sim no if you believe that the person is Kuan Sim whatever the person asks you to do you will do <laughs> uh, then it becomes is e- easily open for abuse yeah so we usually uh, we don't. Uh, attribute this person or that person to be Kwan Simpusa. Yeah, I think if Kwan Simpusa really need to appear, he he jolly well can just appear, and <laughs> yeah. But that's the difference, huh? uh, Enlightened beings don't appear just for the sake of it, huh? mm. But it must serve a purpose. Zhuanti Pusa. Zhuanti Pusa. Yeah, I heard you. So, this particular Bodhisattva, Zhuanti Pusa, um, there, are, there are different um, records about him. So, uh, most of the tradition, some traditions would position him as a separate Bodhisattva from Guan Sim Pusa. 
but some says that he is a manifestation of Guan Sui Pusa. So, from what I know, uh, the Simalu Guan Yin Ting, yeah, that statue supposedly is actually twenty Pusa. Yeah. So, yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, yes uh, okay. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, can we classify her as a, as a Bodhisattva also? Uh, Mother Teresa Mother of Calcutta, Teresa. Christian, Catholic. Uh, I would say that uh, we can say that he. We can say that she is uh, a very kind person, but of course Stephen Hitchens didn't agree. Uh. Do you all know who is Stephen Hitchens? He is a very prominent uh, writer and atheist. So he wrote several articles and I think he at least one book um, tearing down what he called the Teresa cult. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with him because I don't know Mother Teresa uh, at all. So I can't attest to whether what he claims is true or not. Nor can I attest to what the church claims about her. Yeah. Uh, but if, if assuming that those accounts about her kindness was true, then we can just simply uh, agree that she is a kind person uh, there was no clear indication of her um, uh, declaring or, or, or professing to the Bodhisattva path. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I find it a bit difficult, not simply be, not because she's a Catholic, uh, but for one, I don't know her well enough to have heard of her teachings. Uh, canonization is a process uh, in the Vatican Church. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of, Should it of, be equivalent to Bodhisattva sin? I don't agree. Or not? not that I don't agree. Yeah. Because in, in the Catholic Church, uh, there must be. I read somewhere about their requirements. For you to be, to be canonized as a saint, there are a few different criteria fulfilling which you can uh, if you fulfill any of them yeah you can be considered for canonization as a saint yeah but uh, it has more to do with the Christian faith um, so there are certain of this criteria which is um, uh, must have uh, attested uh, acts of miracle yeah or uh, if a person is uh, sacrificed their, their life um, for the sake of the religion, yeah, for them martyrdom is one of the route where they can be considered for sainthood. Mm. So, um, not so much criticizing it. Uh. So for them it is that the person must be nominated by the community to be canonized as a saint. Uh, I'm, I was quite impressed when I read about the process that they put the candidate through. So it's not suka suka, or because a lot of people agree, then just pass, you know. Even if a few million people agree, but it, it doesn't fulfill certain criteria, 
it cannot be canonized. I, and I suppose a lot of people want to be canonized. If I'm a Catholic, I will like, yeah, why not, you know? Yeah, so uh, while I respect the rigor in the process, uh, I don't actually agree with the qualification. Yeah, so those qualifications does not denote wisdom. Yeah, acts of miracle, the Buddha outrightly denounced. Yeah. So, it, it, it's just a different system. Yeah. So, in Buddhism, to be considered an enlightened Bodhisattva, uh, you, you cannot go through a committee. No committee can confer onto you the, the enlightenment. Yeah. Uh, you must know for yourself that you have eradicated uh, the, the taints, the defilements. Uh, and from there, then, you have wisdom. And again, wisdom cannot be decided by a committee to say, okay, I think, how? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, different, different, different process. Uh, different process. Uh, there are those who compare, um, do this comparison. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my take is, uh, factually, you, you cannot... Um, it's hard to bridge the two systems. Thank So, so, in your mind, you may think, ah, okay, I'll think of giving. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, that's the start of the, the whole process. Yeah, you must first think about, okay, I want to give. Yeah. Yeah, but in this case, to give what? To give... Uh, little, yeah. Think of giving, but don't give too much. Give little, and don't give anything special. Give ordinary things. Uh, but because and further, due to stinginess, yeah, then <laughs> uh, do haven't even give to others. Uh, then what happens? So in the sutras it says that such a person with this kind of mindset would be reborn in the hungry ghost realm. Now in the past when I learned about the Buddhist teaching and karma, it is often positioned as retribution, often positioned as a punishment. But increasingly I realized that this outlook um, is not so compa compatible with the teachings. In fact, it is just a natural consequence of this mindset that with a mindset where you are so attached to material things, we feel with possessions, yeah, possessiveness, then upon dying, is it possible that 
the whole life the mind was was filled with this momentum of possessiveness attachment stinginess niggardliness and then suddenly after dying then from yeah that the mind should then steer towards oh pleasantness yeah, it doesn't happen that way yeah uh, so um, the result of such a kind of mental state for a prolonged period then results in a state of deprivation in a state where the mind is whatever the mind can produce yeah or can uh, experience is that state so this, I, I see it not as a, oh, the Buddha see that you are stingy, then the Buddha punish you. Uh, no. And in fact, nobody is there to punish us. Karma is impartial and impersonal. Just as if you drop your phone, it is not Isaac Newton who come and punish you for dropping your phone. And so make it crack. It is not gravity yeah, that is punishing you for being careless so crack your foot but it just happened when you have enough force at the right angle the result is crack foot yeah no no there's no need for someone to be punishing you physics the natural law of of nature yeah, law of nature is amoral yeah not immoral uh, amoral so it doesn't have any attempt to reward or punish you yeah, it doesn't have that oh. uh, I wanted to highlight a bit of things here so here uh, ordinary things so to give ordinary things here it's uh, is that is it something that is wrong? Uh, do you all think think about it? Uh? Yeah, to give ordinary things, then to give very little. Yeah, is it by itself? Is this wrong? Uh, yeah, I must highlight by itself. There's nothing wrong actually. Yeah. Uh, but if it is due to your niggardliness, yeah, you are stingy. People need more. Uh, people need a full meal. You give just one little bit. <laughs> uh, but if the person is uh, halfway through the meal, then you shouldn't offer a full meal again. Yeah. So this is about how a person give little and give ordinary things because of their stinginess. Yeah? When I saw these ordinary things, uh, in my mind, I didn't chuckle out, but in my mind, I had a chuckle in my mind. Why? Because sometimes for me, especially when it comes to food, I, I actually prefer ordinary things. <laughs> Too exquisite. Oh, I find it very complicated. Now, but do, do not be confused. Uh. When I say this, I st I'm receiving anything that is given with much appreciation. But it's just that certain things, when it's too exquisite, um, hard, to, hard to consume. You know? uh, so here, uh, whether it's small quantity or to give ordinary things, 
yeah, it is not that giving little is wrong, but if it is due to your own stinginess or a person's stinginess, possessiveness, attachment, yeah, uh, then because of that you give little and give very mundane, ordinary things, uh, then that is a problem. Yeah, because ordinary, you know, it, a lot depends on what the person needs. I want to spend the last few minutes to uh, highlight something to you all. <laughs> and it's about this two things. One, giving. Two, um, uh, okay, one, giving and receiving. Two, uh, about how to manage our life. Yeah. So the first one, giving and receiving. In the Sigolabana Sutta, it highlights, uh, in a way, financial planning, you know. Yeah. In this sutta called Sigol Sigolabana Sutta, yeah, it's in Diga Nikaya, uh, I think Sutta 30, 30, 30, 32 or 33, yeah, one of the last few sutta. Yeah. Next time you all come earlier, you can go down and look for it. You can also go to access to insight.org and look for it. Uh, so in that sutta, the Buddha uh, shares on a lot of things to do with, or everything to do with lay people. And one of the things was, with the hard-earned money that we have, how should we um, properly make use of it? Yeah? How should we make use of it properly? So one part, uh, one part to uh, to use it on yourself uh, and uh, and others. Does it include others? Then one part for your work or business. One part for uh, for giving to charity to support religious people, and one part for rainy days. Uh, one part for rainy days. Yeah. So I shared. Uh, before about how um, in the in the Buddhist circle and perhaps in many religious circle, it is not uncommon that when a person is filled with devotion and faith, then they may uh, overgive. Yeah, I have even uh, I have even known of people who who take bank loans to give. No, uh, don't uh. Yeah, please don't do that. Yeah, at first, Sifu, you know, as a lay person, can sleep at night. After becoming a monk, also can sleep at night. <laughs> then, if you all ever do this, uh, I cannot sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will feel very bad if I know that if any uh, any lay lay devotees, yeah, uh, sh should have to do that. No, never. Yeah. Uh, just as you should spend within your means, you should give within your means also. Oh, yes. So, so I watched the video that Hui Lui Pasu. Hui Lui Pasu, yes. He said that if you say a teen who donate money to your, you cannot take it. If let's say you, are, you know that her job is this one, so you will not accept his mon her money, is it true? Uh, 
Did he mention any sources? What is the basis for that? He said, Ah, so because <laughs> in the sense that not working. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, uh, let's take Hui Lu Fa out of the equation and let's look at the matter itself. Because Hui Lu Fa is not here to defend his statement. Uh. <laughs> yeah. There could be certain uh, conditions involved. Uh, we, if we look at the Pali Canon, there's this courtesan. Yeah courtesan called Ambapali. Yeah? Uh, there was one uh, sutta where she offered to give dana. The Buddha accepted. Then later the Lichabi, the Lichabi prince, a few of them, they were going to see the Buddha. And so after preparation, uh, this Ambapali was also going to see the Buddha to do offering. So the Lichabi prince heard that she was going to do offering, chased after her and ask her to give, let them do it instead. Yeah. And then she is a courtesan. They are, you know, like people with authority and power. She rejected them. <laughs> she said, no, no, I have already made the this determination. Yeah. And the Buddha has kindly accepted, you know. Yeah. So he, she re reject, rejected. And then in the sutra it says that the Lichavi then the, the few of them are so upset then they snap their fingers. Ayah, we have been rejected by Ampapali, the courtesan. <laughs> so um, there are many other cases that are similar. So based on this, I would disagree uh, that if a person gives out of uh, purity with kindness, we should accept. Yeah. Uh, if, we don't, if we don't accept, there could be a case where um, uh, not si not simply because or oh, the person the qian bu the money is dirty, but more to say, hey, maybe if a person is uh, having wrong livelihood, and you have repeatedly counseled that person that that is not good for yourself or others, but the person repeatedly ignore the, uh, and then you know you know that by rejecting the offer whether food or money, uh, it will cause the person to think again. Why? Sifu always accept my offering. Why do they reject my offering? Ah, if under such cases, then it's okay to do it. Mm. Because, uh, yeah. so in the Bodhisattva vow, it actually explicitly says, a Bodhisattva cannot uh, reject offerings yeah, uh, out of anger or like despise and so on. Yeah. So there could be other conditions that was given or that Hui Fasu has in mind. Yeah, but unfortunately he is not around to... Yeah, he did mention it's two. One is robbery and the other one is that. Huh? Robbery also. Robbery also. Robbery also. Ah. So the money also so called Pukanji. So actually when I attended the the Binaya class last time, the Binaya master from Taiwan explicitly highlighted that if a person steals so, something ah. and offer it to us, uh, because after stealing he is the owner of that thing. 
So he has the right to give it away. So we have the right to accept it. But the prudent thing is to hold it in custody first. In case if the police come and demand it, you have to return. You cannot say, oh, I use it up already. Yeah, bought a new Lamborghini. People done on me, I... Yeah, Buddha accepted practically anything from it. Not, not anything, sorry, I correct myself. He didn't simply accept anything, but he accepted what is appropriate from people. Yeah. So the so so the first part is about uh, giving, yeah. Uh, then accepting for most of you all because you are not full time bodhisattva, <laughs> so I don't think you all go around receiving food and angpao or whatever, right? <laughs> you all have your own self go and work, huh? uh, But the second part is something I want to highlight, yeah, which is that uh, a show of hands. How much time do you spend on your hobby? Do you have a hobby? How many of wait? How many of you have a hobby? Now no more hobby. So wait, wait. I, I, you you really need to raise your hand. How many of you have a hobby? Hobby is something that you do that pleases you, that you have interest in. So besides Buddhism. <laughs> How many of you have a hobby? Raise your hand. Okay, put it on your hands. Last time, ah, uh, now. Now, as we say, all Buddhism. All Buddhism, ah. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, um, not everybody will agree with me, ah, uh, but uh, in my opinion, um, while is is is. Very heartening to know many Buddhists who is so devoted to the teachings. For them, their hobby is Buddhism. Yeah, so that's not a bad thing, but may not be very healthy if you have not reached a certain stage. So don't don't get me wrong. Ah, it's not Sifu Lao Wan Xiong. Ah, want you all to. I'm not so Lao anyway. That I want you all to. Wow. Backtrack and then well go and spend time to go and karaoke or what? No, I don't mean that. But by hobby, I don't mean that you must go and well dance lah whatever. Yeah. So, um, it's about um. Whether you have anything, whether you do anything, besides work and Buddhism. Yeah. So if you if you, um. How do I put it? Okay, maybe I should broaden the scope a bit. Besides hobby, instead of asking you to raise your hand, you should at least spend some time with some friends, lim kopi ah, you know, you know what I mean. You must you for most people, you need to have that social engagement with other people. I don't know about other monks and nuns, but for me. That the need itself is not high, if at all. So if I don't have classes, I can stay in the monastery. I can stay by myself and just read my books or whatever, you know. But for most people, 
unless you have reached a certain stage, that stage where you are, you are okay without that, um, then if you have not reached that stage, you do need to balance yourself also. Uh, just as you earn a lot of money, then you must use it wisely in correct proportion. You cannot say, oh, I'm so devoted to Buddhism, I donate 90% of all my pay to Buddhism. Cannot. Yeah, cannot. Yeah. I've been sharing with young people, if we don't put a, 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 a fixed amount to say everybody must donate how much, we, we don't have something called tithing. Yeah. Um, because in Buddhism, giving must be voluntary. So I told many students, if you want to ask me, should I give regularly certain amount, then I would say, give your parents that amount first. It's, a, it's an expression of your devotion to them to give that support. But beyond money, your time, uh, that's why I asked about your hobby. Yeah? Uh, unless you are ready to become a monk or nun, <laughs> otherwise if 90% of your time is all about Buddhism, 90% yeah? of your free time, because you still have to work, you still have to sleep, all the utility function. Yeah? Beyond that, your free time, uh, it must also be spaced out. Uh, you can put in 60%, 50% of your time on Dharma, but you must have some time to engage with others. If you really like Dharma so much, then engage with fellow Dharma, brother and sister, but must have human interaction also. Uh, huh? Next week, I'll explain why. Okay? Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Lao. Yuan Da Zhi Hui Zhe Ming Liao. Pu Yuan Zhui Zhang Xi Xiao Chu. Shi Shi Chang Xing Pu Sa Dao. Shi Shi Let me just save the file. Wait, 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 don't. Oh, okay, you can power that out, sorry. <laughs> because this machine don't have battery. If you switch off the 